Survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here is Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show, it is Inside the Ropes, episode number 79, second one for 2019, great to be here, on debut for the new year alongside the great man Mark Hayes who steered the ship um, diabolically last week I might say. (laughs) No, you did a great job, but there's always just a drive-by or two on the way through, and I've sort of half got to dirty up about all of that. I think I missed you last week. Do you reckon? Yeah, do you reckon I got you? Uh, I haven't even listened to the show, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had time this week. I think I I felt bad about potting you so much in the pre-Christmas run that I gave you sort of a free pass. Oh, dear. Good. I'm glad to hear. (laughs) Mike Clayton's here. Hello, Michael. And he called Annika Annika Sorensen, the greatest woman player ever. No, Forgetting I said, about Mickey Wright. I Come said, on. Arguably, Everyone knows Mickey Wright's the greatest player ever. Arguably the greatest female player ever. And she's in there. She's right in that conversation. Don't worry about that, Clayton. You've, ma- you've mounted a fairly spirited <laughs> defense of Mickey Wright. Well, the greatest swing ever. Yeah, she, has got a, she has got an awesome Playing swing. Playing with proper hard to hit clubs and dominated the tour and amazing player. It's a big show. We've got finally. This is unbelievable. We've got Kari Webb joining us. Is this, a, this actually a fact, right? The, uh, as far as us. I know, unless oh, we no. have a Sanchi blowout in the interim, she's going to join us later in the show. And this is our second in the road to the Women's Australian Open series. Brilliant. And I, I couldn't be more excited than we've been asking for Kari's uh, ear and presence, presence for for a, for a while. And I'm thrilled that she's coming on later on. All right. Well. Um, that's great, and there's a special mystery guest. That mystery you're not telling guest, anyone. Not only that. you know about the mystery guest. It is, and it's going to th- it's going to make you. It'll blow your mind later on, Andy. Is that right? Yeah, well, what's left vaguely. of it? Yeah, yeah. What's left of it? And well, I can't. We've actually got a special fourth guest around the table joining us. So I can't believe he's here because I felt like it was about 15 minutes ago that I was watching you on the tally on the other side of the planet. Lucas Herbert joins us. What are you doing here? Yeah. Well, How'd you get here so quickly? Well, uh, Red Bull. Um, <laughs> Aeroplanes. Aeroplanes. And the 3am red eye from Dubai to uh, to Melbourne last night, which uh, I've not slept since, but that's all right. We'll push through. Been a big couple of days for you. You've been in the middle of everything. It has. Well. well let's just yeah. go go there. What happened? On, what did? What do you think happened on Saturday? Start of your third round. What, I, 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 yeah. I've got to preface this before he talks. I mean, there's been a lot of... Um, banter about it, I'd say, Herbie, on Twitter, um, which you've been um, dutifully silent to, which I am um, I think I'm impressed by that. That's but, hard for you to do, I would imagine. But, you know, there's a, there's a fair degree of criticism of you and of us, for that matter, for people questioning whether we'll actually ask him a hard question or not. And I, you know, I, I flat, flat out refuse that and, you know, Herbie will attest to it in a minute. Um, but, yeah, it was a pretty, it's been a, not a harrowing, that's ridiculous, but it's been an interesting 72 hours in your life. Yeah. Um, so you better tell people who 
Maybe someone yeah. listening who doesn't know what actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'll start with uh, pretty much I, pl- I was playing the third round um, Dubai Desert Classic. Leading. Leading. Well, was I was in the last group with yeah. Bryson on uh, on Saturday. And um, the third hole, I hit it, hit my second shot up the right-hand side about 20 yards short of the par five green. And I was kind of in the... Um, I guess the side of the desert really. It was it was off the rough and up in the uh, half of the sand dune sort of thing, but it had trees covering over and um, so wasteland, not a bunker. Yeah, not a not a bunker, but essentially the shot I was trying to hit, given that it was pretty much in its own pitch mark, was a bunker shot. Um, just trying to get it somewhere near the front of the green, and um, the cameras basically picked me up. I picked up me moving some loose impediments, some sort of some leaves um, from the tree, obviously above me from behind the ball with my wedge. Um, but unfortunately, in doing that, I also dragged quite a bit of sand out um, from behind the ball, which obviously you're not allowed to do. So um, I got through to the – that was on the third. So I got through to the ninth, um, and Andy McPhee met me on the fairway there with a the – rules with, boss. With a, yeah, with a phone showing me the, the video of what had been picked up on TV and asking my thoughts um, and, and what, had, what had gone on. So – um, as a result of all that, I was assessed a two-shot penalty for improving my lie um, and carried on business from there. Is That's, basic, what did, what that's, did you that's say? basically the story. When, when he asked you to have a look at it and what your thoughts, what did you say to him? Yeah, so um, I guess getting down to my version, which I guess no one's really I, – I haven't really said anything um, yet, which – I sort of want to preface it by yeah saying like I I didn't want to say anything on social media because um, I don't I don't think there's enough characters to kind of explain it Spot on. on on Twitter um, and I wasn't really interested in getting into a debate with someone about uh, my intentions in what I was doing um, especially given that I was about to go into the final round and um, you know it was it was still a genuine chance to win the golf tournament um, and I think I think also that. The video, the video was, the video evidence that was shown to me was probably not the greatest camera angle, mm. um, and if someone had if someone had shown me Mark Hayes doing exactly what I'd done on that camera angle, I would have said, yeah, absolutely, that's a penalty. Mm. Um, the reality of it was, the camera angle made it look quite horrible. Um, I'd move sand from probably eight to ten inches from not only behind the ball but. So inside inside the plane of where the swing was going to be, so um, the, ang- the 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 hole was almost on like a forty five degree left of um, where the sand was, where the, where or where it looks like it straight down the line is from the camera, if that makes sense. So it's actually going off quite a bit left of screen, um, as well as I'm hitting a bunker shot, so you're going to get quite steep and quite like left sort of swinging on it. So you, you divot where I dragged the sand from was actually not in the divot. Wasn't in the divot, or wasn't really that close to where I was, where I was making a swing at it. Um, so I got asked, you know, why were you moving that? And originally, I thought, well, I might have clipped it. But then the more I thought about it, I went, well, I was never going to clip it, given the shot I was trying to hit and where it was. It was actually really more of a visual thing. Um, I was ready to hit the shot, and like, I, I can't really, I, I can't. So I, I can't cry wolf, really. I'm. Oh, that's not the right thing. No, no, you, you know, you, I can't. You, you can't. I can't blame everyone else. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. I should have got down there and moved what was there with my with my fingers and and carefully picked it up or with a tee or something. 
especially given the fact that there was three cameras sitting behind me. And I I would do that, uh, or I should do that, no matter who's watching, but especially given that there's three cameras there, I should have got down and done it properly and picked it up. But, um, you know, a bad a, a brain fade, I guess, um, was just sort of was ready to hit the shot, just moved it because it was in my vision. Um, and in my heart of hearts, didn't affect the actual golf shot. I... I went back and, and looked at the lie and even sort of recreated a similar lie um, later on and it was still a horrible lie. I, I would have loved to hit a different shot if the lie was sitting a lot better. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it was it was still a horrible lie it was, and it was a long way it was a long way from the ball. But the, the, the issue is the grey area of the rules, it was it was too close to, to the swing um, and it was, you know, it was to the point of we needed we needed to take the penalty because it was sort of, it was sort of the right thing to do really in the end um and i didn't want to be labeled as someone who doesn't play the game fairly i mean we looked at how badly in australian sport it came off in april last year <laughs> when you know the, yeah. the whole cricket saga um came about and like i can sit here today and guarantee you like that's not what i'm about and i mean hazy mentioned a lot of stuff's come up on twitter some people making some pretty strong accusations and and i've obviously like you said kept quite I kept very quiet about it all, um, more because I just wanted to explain everything that went on in a forum like this, where it, this is not scripted. I've not got anything in front of me. Oh. Um, you know, I've obviously thought about what I've wanted to say, um, but it, you, I'm I'm definitely like I don't stand for cheating. I, like I I'm a big advocate for honesty in in all in in life, not just on the golf course. And I think you know you've got to give the respect. Um, of the game and and be, and be honest with yourself. That's what makes our game so good. So, um, to be honest, I don't. I actually don't really care about the guys who have a- accused me of whatever they have on on Twitter or who have gone out of their way to try and make me look bad. To, there's you know they're the same sort of people that seem to find the the bad in every post that I put up. So I'm I'm actually not really worried about trying to appease them. I'm actually more interested in making sure the general public of of golf fans um, through the country and especially given that I'm representing Golf Australia and, and TaylorMade and Adidas and all my various sponsors, um, that that's not – I'm not about um, playing the game in any sort of cheating um, mm. terms or any sort of um, – You don't cheat. No. I, I, don't, I don't, cheat. Know how to, I don't know how to explain it yeah. any other than, yeah, I, I, I have no intention of, uh, of bending the rules, breaking the rules on purpose to get an advantage. I, I want it as clean as, as everyone else does. So – um, but you accept that it looks bad, right? Absolutely, it looks horrible. And like I said to you, if if I had watched a video of someone else doing it, I would have said, "Yeah, that looks exactly like what a penalty should be." Mm. How many? Hey, Clay, you watch a lot of golf. Mm. How many golfers do you reckon find themselves in a position like Luke, Lucas did, where they they're not necessarily trying to improve the light? Maybe in some cases, some players are trying to improve the light, and they'll get away with whatever they can get away with, particularly if they're not in the final group of the big tournament on a Saturday. But you've seen it all. You've seen players. Are we seeing less of uh, the kind of things that Lucas was getting accused of? Are we seeing less of that stuff now than we might have 30, 40, 50 years ago? Uh, well, Huggy, John Huggan did the anonymous player survey. Forty play, asked 40 European tour players if they'd ever seen a player cheat on tour. And 39 said they had. I had, yep. So we saw that tweet last week about Fernandez. Fernando Gonzalez Castaneda, the guy who did the tweet about Simon Dyson, who got whacked for hitting the spike mark down. So it's gone on forever. And there's yeah. always been, you know, 
wildly varying interpretations of what cheating is and breaking the rules. And I mean, it looks bad, admit it. I mean, I saw it, wow, it looks terrible, but mm. I wasn't there. I didn't see the angle. But, you know, the um, Ian Stanley was the, that was a, an example of a badly handled incident. Which in, one? In the 86 Masters when he missed that tap in part. Oh, the, when he wafted yeah. that, yeah. And he was forever labeled for that. And there was no doubt he wasn't a cheat. I wouldn't, you know, Terry Gales, so I played with Stan, he came out, he, you know, his ball moved in the rough and no one saw it. And he came out and said, you know, I had one. He said, there was no, no one ever questioned him, his honesty. Yeah. But the problem with that incident was that the guy running the tour at the time didn't believe in trial by video, so didn't show it to Ian before he signed his card. And then, so Ian might have thought he had made, five, made four, but everyone else thought he'd made five. Mm. And the way it should have been handled was the way they handled Lucas's case was, it doesn't matter what you think or if you think you're okay, it's what everyone else sees. So do yourself a favour and take the two shots and we'll all move on. Mm. And that was what should have happened in Stanley's case. But he was never given the benefit of seeing the video. So he, I'm sure, in his heart of hearts thought he made four when everyone else thought he made five. Yeah. And they, I and think, I they, think they, it should might. have been, take your five and move on. Yeah, I think in my case too, it was really good that they came out to me as quickly as it, yeah. as it kind of got raised because it meant that um, not only for myself but everyone else in the tournament got a got the full understanding of what my score was and where everyone now stood in the in the tournament. You know, the worst thing that happened was at that US Open when everyone's going, well, we think we're Dustin's at two under but we're not really sure. Like at least now everyone was kind of like, all right, well, Lucas is at nine under. So, yeah. and you, obviously I was able to then get some, some fire in the belly out of that and, and respond with some birdies but – um, you know, the way the European tour handled that in terms of getting the information across and, and that was, I think it was done really well. So I don't want to put you in the spot about talking about the European tour, Andy, but I'd like to get your opinion as an avid watcher of all these things. Trial by video, the term Clates brought up there, do you think it's got a place in golf still or do you think some nerd sitting in, uh, you know, in Vladivostok is, is rung in to uh, St Andrews, and that's been the result, and that's what we have to deal with these days. That's where he comes from these days, right? That's where, that's the but genesis of these sorts of things. Haven't they changed that rule? They, where they're no longer accepting. They have, but I which think is the Lexi Thompson rule. Well, that's what they say. They, they, and you know, I think they have. But I, you know, I, my is, understanding of Lucas's situation. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Is that there was a whole heap of people who had studied it um, for the hour between the third hole and when you're on the ninth, and they came out to see you. Um, you know, there'd been phone calls and meetings and all sorts of things, and everyone said that doesn't look good. We need to act based on a visual medium rather than perhaps the facts of the situation as laid out by Lucas here. And the, obviously, you can't go back to the third and recreate it in the middle of the round, but it's it's hard work trial by video, isn't it? There's it a lot is. of flaws. Oh no, it is. I mean, it's problematic in sport all over the world in in all sorts of games, all sorts of sports. The golf's the only game where cheating's not part of the game, I think. So it's a good thing. I mean, in the Lexi Thompson case, the worst thing that could have happened to her was that thing came up on Monday after she won the tournament. hundred percent. And she clearly has broken the rule. Yep. Same for you. The worst thing, if that comes up on Monday, you finished what? You would have finished third or second? Yeah. With the Lee Hao Tong thing on the top of it. And everyone says, he got away with that. That's rubbish. Yeah, I think that's a really valid point. <laughs> Imagine you win that tournament by a shot. And then there's a there's the the storm of controversy that happens completely beyond your control through the social media forums. Every golf show in the world starts picking up on it. Everybody talks about it. Forces the hand of the tour, and they ping you with a two shot penalty after it, and you have the championship taken off you. 
I don't well, know what well, you think. Well, they can't do that. They can't do that. No, Why not? What if, it's, what if it's well, deemed to be a blatant? Well, once, break they, of the once rules? they've handed the trophy out, that's it. Uh, what? There's Surely like a, there's a precedent. There's, a, no. there's about an. No, I think there it's there like is an no hour. Once they've handed the trophy out, that's it. It's done. Tournament's over. Once that, once everyone's decided it's done, it's done. That'll change. Well, that, that, that'll change. Well, why? Because well, then no one will ever sign the scorecard. It's not going to change. They'll be stressed that a year down the down the track, everything could change. I think. I think there's about an hour of like I've read it somewhere in rules. There's about an hour of like you've got an an hour to appeal anything, and then once that's done, it's like the tournament over. Results are in. If if something like that were to happen, I've yeah. If you win the tournament and then it's taken off you, you're actually you you win, but you it's almost worse because you you still yeah. got the trophy, but you're labelled as a cheat. Well, yeah. The only thing to do then is hand it back, which which is what Monty did in that really dubious thing in Indonesia. He gave the money back. But I don't think he gave gave the ranking points back, which got him into the US Open, which he lost to Ogilvy. Right, I think that's right. Mm. But Monty gave the money back because it was after it was after Sunday that it came out, and he clearly. You can yeah, pick we're going to say it. Say yeah. it. It's what he did, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't play the ball from where it was. So you're in the. This is you. We're we're talking theory and the theoretics of it all. You were in the middle of it. The way it was handled with you. Last word on this. Were you? Would you change anything in terms of you wouldn't do what you did? Obviously, you go about removing the leaves and the debris differently. You've admitted that. But post your decision to do what you did, the way it was handled by the tour, would you were you comfortable with the way it played out? Um, yeah. Look, if I'm honest, I, I would have liked a little bit more, um, I guess, trust in, in mine and my caddy's word. Um, my caddy, Nick Pugh, sort of stood there and looked at it and went, and like he admitted, he never even batted an eyelid at what I'd done. Um, he didn't think there was any issue with, and, and he watched it happen. And he, he didn't think for a second, oh, that's that's that's, yeah, right. that's not right. Yep. Um, so I, I guess it was frustrating that no one was really hearing my side of it. But I can also, I think two days removed from it now, I think it's a bit easier to sort of just, let it go and and accept that it is what it is. It, it looked horrible, and we need to, you know, we need to be better for a start at, at not ha- letting that happen again and and moving things a lot more carefully. Rather, like, so we don't even get into that situation anymore. That's your takeaway, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, like, I, I, you're sitting there. You're normally. I mean, I know you've gone on a red eye flight and haven't had much sleep, but you're normally full of beans. You're sitting there. Um, you're a little bit careful with your words around this topic and that's totally understandable but you're a bit nervous about it and I understand that you know it's, your, your name's gold and then people criticise it. it's the first time probably you've actually had to go through that um, I more just don't want to insult anyone on the on the European tour and because and, um, I think they did a great job mm. uh, I'm more if someone wants to call me a cheat on social media no issue it's that's their that's their thoughts and um, they can paint me however they want but um for the people that I know that are loyal golf fans in Australia, and there's more of them than there are ones that that want to label me um, like they have, I can I can sit here and guarantee you that I am I well, I strive to be as clean and as um, as professional and as I don't know what other word you can use no. here to describe as non-cheating, but that's what I am. Um, I'm the most honest person you'll get off the course and on the course. So. Um, you know, that was the whole reason why I came here and I, yeah, I, I'm literally, I'm, if I'm stumbling over words here, it's because I don't want to, in, I don't want to say the wrong thing and insult someone from the European tour. 
Well, well oh, played. Well played. Well played. Thank you. Well played. After all that. <laughs> well played after it. Well played the day before it. Well played in the tournament. Another fantastic result. Um, you and Scriv were right in the mix, and it's a quality. I mean, you know, there's been some debate about because of, you know, maybe what Rory kind of put on the agenda at the start of the year, but the quality of field that you're up against was high class. And um, it was another terrific finish. So, you know, a great performance, tight seven. So, well done. Yeah, well thank played. you. And I've got to put it on the record too, Andy. Lucas approached me, you know, to come on. Good. So, okay. you know, it's yep. off his bat that he's here explaining what happened. So it's, Let's talk about the other one. Well, this is unbelievable. I, you reckon that was – you reckon we we're coming off the long run with Al Herbert. <laughs> this could go – we could go 45 minutes on this one. Well, Hao Tong Lee, who's a very likable, jovial Chinese guy, and I think he's got the world in his camp, has been penalised two shots – for having his caddy in the line of, let's just say the line of play to start with. When we start this conversation, two-shot penalty. He's dropped 100,000 euros, I believe. Yeah, um, it's pretty close to it, yeah. So he's gone from second to... Third. It was third, tied third, third to, to tied 12. Third yeah, to 12. Yeah, yeah. Um, massive penalty. Massive penalty for something that I would imagine. I'm, I'm, I've, I'll let you guys talk about it that you probably think is a stupid decision. Let the golfers, <laughs> golfers can go first here. There are a few. It's a good rule. I call it the Lydia Co. Rule. I agree with. I agree with that. I think it's a great rule to stop this line. Players should be able to line them. It's a fundamental thing of the game is you can line yourself up unaided, without the aid of someone telling you you're pointing in the right direction. So it's a good rule, and they need to bring it in. This was bound to happen, but in the Golf Australia magazine, last at the end of last year, they asked us to make some predictions for the following year, and mine was. How long is it going to be before someone's penalised? On the LPGA tour, <laughs> right, okay. for the caddy staying behind the ball. <laughs> it was a certainty to happen. But now everyone knows where the line is and it won't happen again. But it was bound to happen. Some girl was bound to get penalised. I assumed it was going to be a woman because there was much more of that on the LPGA than the tour. But it's a good rule. It was correctly administered. It was in a ridiculous circumstance where it never should be a penalty. But it was bound to happen, and now everyone knows where the line is. So we're all fine. I, we won't see it ever again be an issue. So I woke up this morning, Andy. I was going to come in here and rip shreds off that ruling. Mm-hmm. So in preparing for it, I did something smart, which is very unusual for me, and rang Simon Magdulski. I noticed this. The rules boss, and actually you know, tried to get his take on it, and he talked to me for like three quarters of an hour. And honestly, I know that people listening to this are probably going, but we can't talk to Simon. We've got no, we've got no vision on what he's about to, Hazy's about to say. Surely that's crap, that ruling. He wasn't in the line of sight. He hadn't taken his stance. You know, that's not a penalty. What are you talking about? Well, and, and Lucas can attest to this, I'm sure, in a minute, because Simon's explained it to me that the, because it's not a clubland thing, it was actually instigated. This rule change was instigated by the tours. Um, you know, the LPGA in particular, but also the main men's tours um, to try and get it in and change the optics of the game so that we don't have the caddies in the line of sight there at any stage. Um, the nuts and bolts of this were a, a an ethos handed down to all the people on the on the European tour, but on all tours for that matter. And this is basically what they were told. And this will clarify it once and for all. There are strict, this is a quote from the tour, there are strict rules about where the caddy may deliberately stand when you begin to take begin to take your stance and you should know that other than on the putting green, there is no way out of the penalty if your caddy is deliberately standing directly behind you when you begin to take your stance. Begin. okay. Right this will become a very dangerous practice and having your caddy standing behind the ball will lead to penalties if you and your caddy get the timing wrong. 
I mean, as golf rules go, that's about as black and white as it yeah, can be. It's a timing issue then. So, so what happened today was Keith Pally has mm. tried to – he's read the, the tea leaves and tried to come out on the side of Hao Tong Lee and given the, given the, uh, the rules a spray, which is probably where I stood when I woke up this morning, um, and in response – the Martin Slumbers, the boss of the not the rules boss, the big boss of the RNA, has come out and given Keith Pelly absolute rounds of the kitchen. He never does that. Mm. He's Fair come out. Too. He's come out and slaughtered yeah. him because you, you, it was your tours that instigated this yep. rule. We laid down a black and white rule, enforce it. Are you sorry? You enforce it, and now you're telling us it's the wrong thing. Yeah. So I, um, I apologise to um, anyone I might have. So the word begin is pretty. The, the word begin is fairly critical in all this, right? Because I think it was initially the understanding was once you get that right foot in place, if you're a right-handed putter, in the to to take your address position to make the stroke, you're in trouble. But but that wasn't the case here. But it was actually in the act of beginning to set up to play yeah. the shot. And, and on the putting green, you can just back off, and there's no penalty. He actually should have been aware. How well, I think if I was playing, I'd have been aware that, hang on, he was on my line when I was, let's just start yeah, again. we should have known he was there. And I've carried a lot. I've never, you don't ever go anywhere near to, near to standing behind yeah, a player. I've never no, stood behind. Yeah. I've never gone remotely close to standing behind. You always stand to the side. You only do that no if you want. No one stands behind. No. no one ever stands behind the player. So that, that's never going to be an issue. Yeah. It's clearly, the guy was lying the putt up. The caddy was lying the putt up. How Tongley jumped in to hit the putt, and the guy moved away without ever lining him up. Mm. But you either play by the rules or you don't. So the the problem is, Jason Scrivener, who nearly lost his card last year, goes from eighth to seventh. So if they don't administer the rule properly, and Jason Scrivener has the same season, the money he made that he wouldn't have got makes a difference between him making his card, losing his card potentially. That's why it's important. That's why you got to penalise the guy. Mm. So. It was. It was the the good thing is that in all these situations, now everyone knows where the line is. So you, you you're in the middle of it. You're. I don't know whether you ever use anyone to help you line up. Do you ever use anyone? No, no, no. I didn't think so. Um, so I'm in a, in a bit of a sticky spot here because I. I probably profited about ten grand off How Tong doing what he did. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, every shot makes somebody happy. I'm, I'm yeah. probably yeah. I'm probably not in the camp of reinstate his uh, his um. Birdie on the last, but um, unfortunately, I, I, I'm going to disagree with Clates. Um, this is unlike me, but um, I'm going to disagree with Clates here. I, I think it's a horrible rule in the way it's worded. Um, I think for sure it should we should stop players being lined up um, by um, by their caddies from behind, and I think it it's pretty it, it's pretty obvious. I mean, it's we can all see that Mark hasn't lined up How Tong on 18. He's not even looking at Tong when he's in the position that he is that gets Tong the penalty. So he's not lining him up. Um, we made the comment about Tong needing to be aware of it. It was also the 18th green of, or the 72nd green of a very big event where he's putting to potentially make 150,000 euro extra. I, I think in the back of his mind is probably not, where's my caddy and should I back off this putt? Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think there was. I had an example in Abu Dhabi where I was under a tree and I'm trying to work out if I've got a backswing, and the caddy can't stand behind me to tell me if I've got a backswing because that's lining me up. Even I've got no, I don't care where my feet are, but if he tells me if he stands there, that's a penalty. 
Um, but there's, that thing that I read out before, that there's a distinction between on the greens and off the greens. Like there's no wriggle room at all on the greens. It's fairly black and no, white. No, there's no wriggle I mean, room on the fairways. Like, there's wriggle room on the greens. Yeah. No, that's not how no, I no, read no. that. So no? on the greens, you're allowed to be lined up, um, provided that you back off the part if and, and, and readdress it without it being, fine. Without being um, lined up. On the fairway or basically anywhere that's not on the green, anyway. if your caddy's behind you, and you place one foot in the stance of where you're gonna ma- where you're, you're gonna right. hit the shot from, Apologies. and even that doesn't even have to be like you could then back away if your caddy is standing behind you when you put one foot into that stance, two shot penalty. Um, and I think there's just so many times, like per- like personally, I don't get lined up. So I mean, it's just it's okay, golf's an honesty game. You just don't line, you just don't get lined up by your caddy. And if you do, you, you get a two-shot penalty. Like I feel like that's just as simple as the rule needs to be. It doesn't need to be that the caddy can't stand here or here or here. So we all agree it's a good rule. Like it's a great rule. It's a good, I, yeah. I think it's so, worded poorly. Whereas, well, well, how do you word it? You have to. It has to be black and white. You can't have any gray. So you just want to ban it all together. But I mean, there's plenty of gray areas in the rules of golf. That's that's mm. the thing. It needs to be like it. It's, you can't it, have a gray. You either don't have caddies lining up, or you do. And if you don't, then you can't stand on the line. Anytime you can't stand there and. Get off the line. Don't stand the line. Yeah. Caddies so, can still help so, room. So the history goes back to Johnny Miller and a guy called Andy Martinez. And then Bruce Crampton did it with Nick DePaul. The caddies got right down behind the player, lined them up and then stayed there. And they putted with their caddy right there. And they banned that. So the caddies got up, did what Fanny did, got up and walked away. But after they banned it, Jack Newton playing in the Canadian Open had a 20-foot putt, and he tapped it up to the edge of the hole, and his caddy happened to be on his line, on the side of the green. He just, where he putted from, he putted from a different angle, but where the ball finished, when he went to tap it in from three inches, his caddy was on a direct line, and someone called him on it. Two-shot penalty. Wow. So that has to happen for everyone to know, oh, you can't do that. Jay Haas, remember, everyone used to whack their clubs and bend them and keep playing with them. No one knew the rule that... Uh. Until Jay Haas did it, and someone said, you can't play with that. Mm. You got DQ'd. So in every instance of the rules, someone has to get smashed by the rule for everyone else to learn it. But Mm. uh, Yeah, but I think we can all agree. (laughs) I mean, they've just – honestly, they should have banned green reading books, but they've limited them, Um, which is another – I think is another – personally, I use green reading books, and I still think they should be banned because I think reading greens is like being able to line yourself up. It should Mm. be an art that you learn that – it's a skill that you've got to master. It's not some, It shouldn't be something that you can just yeah. pick up so quickly. Like I use them because it's so – you don't have to – when I go out and play practice rounds, I don't have to hit 100 putts around yeah. the green to work out where the little subtleties of break are around and mark them in. Like I've got, a, I've got a book that, you know, I've got the most detailed topography map you've ever seen that when I get to, you know, 16 on Sunday and I've got the back right pin and I'm putting from 20 feet, like, oh, yeah, this one goes a little left. So right, well, mm, looks like it's a – right to left uh, but this book's saying it going left to right like you and all of a sudden you're like well I'm going to trust the book goes you know way. and yeah. it's just you, the, you pick up little shots like that and you can save yourself a lot of time in preparation whereas I think the guys that prepare properly and go out and find those little things themselves they should be the ones rewarded um, Riggle on or well, yeah, well, let's last stay, words? Yeah, well let's stay uh, in Dubai though we have to I but, mean you pl- yeah I mean we want to move on to Bryson? Yeah, well the, I mean, you played with him. He's putting together a fair – I mean, this guy's doing something that's 
Oh, you want to talk about the good things? Well, yeah. Didn't well, they bring uh, the rule about 40 seconds? What's Isn't your, there well, some sort of... This is where I'm going to. So Bryson with the barometric pressure and the whatever he was talking yeah. about. <laughs> you know, he'll have a meteorologist on his team shortly. He will. But, you know, here's a guy who took, what do you take, one minute, 26 seconds to hit a shot? Yep. yep. When the, what, what, it's not a rule, but the recommendation now is what, 40, 40 seconds? 40 seconds. So he's gone way over that. I mean, he's, he's having a laugh. He I mean, right now. You know, so, so here are two guys who get whacked for, we can argue about those penalties. There's a guy just having a laugh in yeah. terms of when are you going to hit this thing? Well, they, don't, they don't ping him though, do they? They don't ping Sharapova in the Australian Open. They don't. <clears throat> they, they are reluctant to to penalise players on this on uh, this issue. You know, in a whole lot of sports. That's where I chime in here, Andy. If it's Sharapova playing Susie Bloggs and they do the same thing, guarantee you Bloggs will get the penalty before probably, Sharapova. Probably. Yeah. And if they're playing in. Um, in Dubai, Lucas Herbert's going to get the penalty before Bryson DeChambeau. It's just, it's the Hollywood nature of the field. You don't penalise your stars. How, how many times has Tiger got away with something that we all sort of question? Uh, I, I I really feel for the lesser names in this instance. Bryson DeChambeau is right now, I've, I've just, sorry, single-handedly instated him as the captain of the Roger Bannister file team. He's an embarrassment to yeah. the game in terms of the speed he takes. So how... Are you in a position? You probably don't want to even join in this conversation, but it'd be I'll, good if you did. I'll state facts, and that's about as far as I'm going to get here. Yep. <laughs> um, I watched a video of him playing 16 uh, on Sunday, posted by the European Tour. That he was. It took him a minute 36, or maybe that was a part. That was a minute 45, maybe to hit it. Um, you're not officially like the European Tour. Don't time you or monitor you until you're out of place in the field. So, essentially, you can take five minutes to hit a shot if you're in your, if you're in place in the field. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you get out of place, that's when they start, you know, monitoring. Are you taking more than forty seconds, or is it forty-five or fifty for you for, if you're the first to play? Yeah. Um. So, if he if if he's not being monitored, a minute forty-five is in the eyes of the European Tour is fine. Um. So that's, I mean, I don't really want or need to stay no, say no, much no, more no, than no, that. No, no. Where's the, how long till we have a shot clock? Oh, the sooner the better. Banging on this for, about, <clears throat> banging on about this for two years on the show. Absolutely. You know? I, it, it, it detracts because we should be going, wow, what a player. You can still it, do that, by the way. You can still be in awe of what, what he's doing oh, yeah. when he when he actually hits the golf ball. Absolutely. You know, and, like it's just what what happens you know, and, in the and, lead he, up to and it. he's charging through the world rankings and he's playing global golf. It's a lot of things that we love. Um, but my God, Bryson, get the lead out, son. So, so who will he get a quiet now that the tournament's over in between now and then when he tees it up next, will somebody have a word to him? Is that how it works? No, it doesn't happen. He's number Mate, five in the world, Andy. I think, so just I think he'll probably happen. get left alone. Yeah, right. Okay. That's yeah. my that's my. They want point. him coming back. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Don't. He's the promotable face. Let's not ruffle his feathers. If we can well, get if we can get off the timing aspect of him as well, I did rib him a couple of times on the course when his caddy said, "How do you want the flag?" And I said, "Oh, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I'll have it out." <laughs> did you? <laughs> really? Well, I, he let himself down badly last year when he when he blew up. Richard McAvoy won that tournament last year. In Germany, yeah, he did. And he yeah. blew up and he wouldn't shake McAvoy's hand on 18. He was just, and he was, he had that hissy fit when he was in a practice round at the British Open, yeah. at the Open Championship. He's got this clearly some issues uh, from a personality perspective with a bloke, but um, 
you know, we'll let that take its course. If you just look at what he's doing in terms of what he's won four times in the last nine times he's teed it up now, he's putting I, together a pretty awesome CV. He really is. Oh, Andy, I don't know, you obviously you know, confessed your, you know, complete um, carefree attitude to the podcast by not having listened to episode <laughs> 78. But I like, we um, – Had a busy week, Hazy. <laughs> we put uh, – we put it a, a time capsule thing, and I'm going to get you and Clates to do oh, it today. No. But my my thing was that um, DeChambeau is going to get himself into an etiquette fight with someone he's playing with at some oh, point during the year, and yeah. I, I don't I don't need to resolve from that right now. What was he like to play with? with? Okay, how was he to play with? No comment. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, right. There you go. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sort of sticking firm with my prediction right now. Yeah, good. Good. Oh, well, I hope it happens because he might need to kick up the ass to wake him up a bit. You know, it's not just about – you can't just get in – you're playing in a field with 130 Look, other guys. They're not – with the backstopping stuff, they're not kicking anyone up the ass. No. Well, let's it, not go there now. Did you see the one last week where <laughs> someone made someone else walk 30 yards forward to mark a ball because it was 20 feet short of the hole in their road? Mm. The speed of play thing is a complete it was, um, it was actually brought up. I went to the players' meeting <laughs> for Abu Dhabi or the rules yeah. meeting, and that and backstopping was brought up, um, but there didn't seem like there was too much of an indication that they were going to pin anyone anytime soon on it. Okay, right. Um, so we, we we'll, should rip across the Atlantic and a couple of oceans and seas, yeah. I suppose. But we, we normally we would have got to this off the top. It was a huge, huge week for Australia at Torrey Pines. On the USPGA tour, and you know we had um, Adam Scott was the, I guess the headline act. But in, 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 before we talk about him, in his uh, wake and not too far back, you know Jason Day was tied fifth, Matt Jones was tied thirteenth, Cameron Smith brought home and was tied ninth. Huge weekend, yeah, huge. Like four Aussies in the yeah. in the top thirteen there of a you know one of the bigger events I would imagine on the, mm. especially on the West Coast swing early in the year. So um, I guess we talk about Scotty. Yeah, of course. Well, the uh, new, the new- the new grip, the new. How well did he play? It's an amazing. Still shots. missed. A, he played, yeah, awesome. but still missed a six-inch putt. But he, no, six Tory Green's a yeah, yeah nice putt. Very yeah. tough to putt on yeah. at the end of the day. So yeah. and he made some good putts. And he was awesome. He, he shot was nineteen. Great. He can't putt poorly and shoot nineteen. Oh, he? he was fantastic <clears throat> putting with the the flag in. Like he's obviously yeah. that's working for him. So that's a, yeah, it's an interesting one. The flag in or flag out. Per, like personally, I reckon it's too off-putting seeing it there. Like I start. I'm too worried about the ball like hitting the flag and bouncing out, so I start like trying to really just like just die it in the hole. And I think it, personally, I think it affects my speed. I've had every like, unless it's a tap in from two inches, I've had every flag taken out for for my putts. What do you reckon? What are you going to do, Clates? Every State piece, traditionalist. Every piece of research says leave it in. Leave it in. Every piece of research says yep. leave it in. It does. It's categorical. I, just, I feel I, like I, would... I feel like I've seen a lot of chip shots that you're like tracking, tracking, and you're like, oh, that's in, and it just hits the flag and bounces out somehow, okay. and you're like. And how many times do you oh, if the flag was out, that would have gone in? Uh, I, yeah. I feel like I've seen that more than I've seen the, the flag is, assist. There's one clip that's out there in the moment done by uh, – Molinari did one. Yeah, but there's another guy who's a – I don't know what he is. He's well, a, Dave Pelz did one years years ago. Uh, it's really it's chipping. really it about chip shots. But yeah. It's about when, 25% more balls go in. Was that the one with the stint meter? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah off the full, roller. Full yeah, scientist. Yeah, yeah. For absolute – not a golf guy at yeah. all, just a pure numbers – Biomechanist type bloke, and it was twenty five to thirty percent more balls go in if you leave the flag in than flag out. I'm with I'm with Lucas. I think to me, I've seen so many balls hit a flag yeah. and spit out two inches on the side. I'm like, well, I don't want that to happen to me. So yeah, we've played the last two Saturdays just club golf with the, haven't taken the flag out yeah. any hole. 
We're all okay. part of the flag. And do you feel like it yeah, adds a, a dimension to the pace of play? Or? Well, I think it helps on long parts. It's a pain, you know, attaining the flag for a 50-foot part when the chances mm. of hitting it are one in, yeah. literally one in 100 or more. Yeah, yeah. I think, though, like from five feet or even 15 feet, how many times are you going to hit a part that's genuinely going to bounce out of the hole if it if it was if there was no flag there, but now the flag drops it. Like, yeah, I think it's so rare that would actually have an impact from a speed perspective. I agree. In I, my opinion, I agree with Lucas on that. Yeah, yeah. What What do you make, Lucas, of uh, Scotty's arm brace putting? I didn't have as much of a look at it as I would have liked, but I, I'm assuming it's similar to Kucha. It's identical. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it makes sense. In a lot of ways, it makes sense. It's got to take it's got to take a lot of wrist action out and keep it more like just more things fixed I guess um, so yeah I, I guess what's well, not for everyone I'm, I don't think I'll be doing it anytime soon but um, hey if it's going to work for him love to see him keep getting up near that top 10 in the world mm. and keep higher uh, getting higher up on leaderboards and whatnot. because um, how old is he he's 37 36 now 38 38 yeah we want to see want to see him keep playing into his into his 40s I saw. I haven't. I didn't bring it. I apologise. I brought every other stat in the world, but I saw something where he he was in the top twenty five, maybe in strokes gained putting last year, ten times, eleven times, and of those eleven times, he was in the top five in the field half a dozen. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, realistically, it all all is down to his putting. So if he feels good about his putting, expect big things. And speaking of big things, Andy. You know, his uh, outright second took him over, would you believe this, the $50 million mark in career prize earning. Seventh, right? He's now seventh. Well, he was seventh previously, but he's seventh overall. I've got, I've got it all written down here, Clates, if you want. Tiger, yeah. Tiger's leader of the pack at 115, 115 million. Phil Mickelson at 88 million. Vijay Singh at 70. Mm. The one that I cannot believe is Jim Furyk no, at 68 million. Uh, he's been there forever. Uh, well, clearly. Uh, for someone who doesn't do well in majors, that's a massive amount. I mean, he won the US Open. But he's not a traditional major no. contender. No, he's had his moments. <laughs> he's had a few chokes too. Uh, Dustin Johnson's 56, Rose 51, Adam Scott 50 million, $184,193. On one tour. 45 million ahead of Jack Nicholas. I did that. Yeah, was, uh, <laughs> Jack Nicholas is five million, four, 286, $5.73 million. What a chump. You know who he's behind at 268? Mark Hensby. $6.3 million. G'day to Mark. I'm that's just joking, ridiculous. but I don't think Mark's going to put himself in the same nah, sentence, sentence as Nicholas. Right, but it's an incredible number, $50 million in prize money alone on one tour from Adam Scott. Well, you buried the lead because clearly the biggest discussion point out of Tory Pines was um, Tiger's kind of revolutionary Sunday afternoon shirt. You picked up on this. Pinkish. Yeah, it's called Jim Red. <laughs> Nike's calling it Jim Red. You, you clearly have got no idea. What, he didn't wear the. I saw. I actually saw a photo of it. I saw the the first photo I saw was someone comparing his shirt from the Tour Championship that he wore, oh. and they were like, "No, it's still red. It's still red. We promise." Honestly, but it was it had a lot of stripes through it. Yeah. Can you? This is what they do. This is what they do in America. I can't believe I'm bringing it up. Hopefully, the tone of my voice says everything that needs to be said about it and is understood. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? But I feel like it's the Sunday pin at Augusta. Like, why would you change Tiger's Sunday outfit? It's so iconic. It is. If you're going to change, if you're going to leave something the ex- exactly the same forever, you'd, you'd think it'd be well, a, a maybe the, just well, as a soon as Patrick Red, as soon as Patrick Reed started wearing it, it sort of ceased to become cool. All he did was I, copy Leicherino though from the. 
1968 US Open at Oak Hill. What did Trevino do? With black pants and a red shirt, with there red socks too. Mm. He had the red socks. He was even cooler. Yeah. <laughs> right, eh? You can't tell Herbie, you couldn't tell the merchandise manager at Manchester United or Real Madrid not to have a uh, oh, yeah. slight variation in uniforms when everyone rushes oh, yeah, out to buy probably $30 billion worth next weekend. It just doesn't, I mean, if you're in the marketing meeting at Nike, surely, hey, maybe we should change Tiger's Sunday shirt. Surely that doesn't come across anyone's head. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, anything else before we get to... Yeah, just before yeah. we leave Australia's huge weekend in, yeah. the, in the US, um, it's been a bit obscured and it's well, probably not technically in the US at the Bahamas, um, but the web.com tour is actually up and about for a couple of weeks now. Mm. Uh, and we've, sorry, apologise for probably not mentioning it too much last week, but some more fantastic results for Australians. Cam Percy was right in the, uh, he was three shots off the lead entering the final round, didn't do so well with a five over 77 to close, but finished tied 11th. Um, the hard course, right? Very hard course. Windy. The Abaco Club. I've seen a few videos of that getting windy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Not much cover in the Bahamas there. And he tied at T11, uh, Brett Coletta, who made the cut for the first time in his second career start on the web tour. So that's fantastic. Mm. Uh, He was only one of 18 players to cut a final round score of even par or better, speaking of that win. Uh, Jamie Arnold and Rian Gibson, both tied 17th as well. So four more in the top 20 there. Uh, Really impressed with uh, the way the boys are going. Coletta's making the top 25 this year, isn't he? I think that would be his goal for sure. No, no, his goal. He's going to make it, right? Yeah, I'm confident. Sure, it's, it's everyone's goal is out there, but that's good, good enough. He's making it, right? Yeah. Well, I think as as that is evidence, I think when the courses get harder, he'll get better. Same well, that, well they don't get harder on that tour. They get easier after this week, but well, he's a good player. Who right? was that? Sorry, Coletta. Coletta. Yeah, Brett. Yeah, he's really good. How much time are you going to spend in America this year? Um, well, it depends if I can get this world ranking inside the fifty. If I can do that. I might spend a little bit more time there, yeah. but um, what are you at now? Know. I think 73 I went to after last week. All right. Did you jump nine again? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, Brett's a good player. If he, he was struggling a bit with travel last year, yeah. if he sorts that out and, he's, and he gets um, it's comfortable over there, can play that kid. Yeah. Yeah, we had him in the studio last year, didn't we? And yeah. he was he admitted that that had been a challenge for him. So, oh, um, it's, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's that's no skin off his nose either. Like, you sort of don't really understand sitting at home like I mean, it sounds so stupid, but how hard traveling the world playing golf is for a living, mm. um, and it's like it just I sound I almost catch myself saying that like that you sounds ridiculous. go down a combine for a bit, and but <laughs> yeah, like everyone working <laughs> nine to five jobs, no, just go and come on, please. But honestly, yeah, it's you miss you miss a lot of stuff. I read I was in my long hours of not being able to sleep last night. I read the article in the Golf Australia magazine about Nathan Holman. Um, and he was right in a lot of things. You know, you miss weddings, you miss birthdays, you miss uh, Valentine's Day, like a lot of these sorts of things that you'd love to be home for and be spending it with, with a family or with wives, girlfriends, whatever. And you just you don't get you don't get the opportunity to do that. And especially, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't have a family yet, but you you see guys who are you know married and got kids at a you know early teenage years, and you're like, you've been doing this 15 years, like you know, going away from your kids 30 weeks a year to go and play golf. It's pretty hard. No, you miss a lot. There's no doubt about that. What are you going to do for Valentine's Day? Yeah, yeah, it's no, that's no loss. Jesus. <laughs> Who said know. we wouldn't ask him the hard questions? I'll be in Perth, I think, so... Uh, flowers, mate. Might Just be a romantic flowers. date with a coach. Just send some flowers. <laughs> Everything's happy. Flowers, you've ticked the box. Move yeah, on. Good move on. Yeah. Yep. And we better clear the decks for right. very, very big... We've got Kari Webb coming up uh, on the other side of this, which is uh, extremely exciting. You've been promising... <laughs> 
The Who's great the one for a guess? long time. Uh, that's long after Curry Webb's right. gone here. We'll uh, get you're to listening to Inside the Ropes. Curry Webb up next. Indulge in a night of amazing food at the Celebrity Chef Charity Dinner for Challenge. Friday, February 8 at GMHBA Stadium, this first-class three-course dinner will be prepared by renowned chefs Ian Curley, Todd Moses, Michelle Thorne and Craig Gorton while overlooking GMHBA Stadium under lights. As part of the 2019 ISPS Hand at Vic Open, hear from a number of special guests and players while raising much-needed funds for challenge. To book, see vicopengolf.com forward slash charity dinner. Welcome back to the show, uh, the second part of the Road to the Open series, which kicked off, of course, last week. Uh, all roads heading to the Grange for the Australian Women's Open. And we really can't have this series. It can't be a genuine series unless we get uh, the woman who's won five of these Australian Opens um, and arguably the greatest player that Australia's ever produced, man or woman. And of course, we're talking about Kari Webb. And she has been good enough to join us on Inside the Ropes. Kari, thanks so much for your time. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. How are you hitting them? I don't know. I'm up here in North Queensland and oh. I'm swinging a club indoors. That's about all I can do at the moment. <laughs> so, <It's> a- um, but <laughs> I think it's feeling okay. It's hard work up there this time of year, isn't it? Oh, well, it hasn't been like this for years and it's just, um, I've been back in, in North Queensland since Saturday and it's um, it has not stopped raining. We, and and- I assume, Carrie, that you're desperate to try and get out and put the finishing touches on your preparation for not only the Vic Open next week, but the Women's Australian Open at the Grange, which is why we're talking to you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been a while since I've uh, actually teed it up in a tournament. So, yeah, I'd like to like to get some prep in and feel good about things before next week. And we've been reading things, different things, because uh, I think you spoke to a couple of journos at the PGA show last week about, you know, you, 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 you may or may not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, have found the the fire in your belly to go a bit deeper this year with the LPGA Tour? Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess you'd call it a fire. I don't know. Um, but just, uh, you know, I'm still going to play a part-time schedule and, um, you know, just sort of see see how it goes. I think last year was, a, you know, that was the first year I played part-time and I really needed to take a step back because I wasn't enjoying what I was doing and, um you know, I didn't like feeling that way about golf um, and sort of found, um, you know, just just the love and appreciation for what I've done for nearly a quarter of a century, um, <laughs> which is what I needed needed to, to feel. So, you know, wh- whether that then translates into a bit of decent golf this year, um, um, you know, obviously not, no one wants to play crappy, but... Um, I don't ever want to go back to the place that I was in. So if, you know, it starts to head back that way, then, you know, I just won't play anymore. And I guess one thing about people not playing at the moment, I, I noticed that you and, and some, um, I, again, don't want to put words in your mouth, but I assume respected columnists in women's golf in the United States have spoken to you about um, your thoughts on the Vic Open, which is next week, uh, that, yep. you know, that there there aren't, as many of the LPGA Tour members coming down as we perhaps would love based on the fact that, uh, you know, they haven't grasped the con- concept of the, the equality, the men's and women's playing for equal money on equal course at the same time, uh, hasn't got the support that the that the whole notion of that tournament should garner in your eyes. Yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised, um, a little surprised. I didn't, I didn't expect it to be... Um, strongly supported just because it was such a late announcement 
to the schedule. So people would have already been planning that part of their year um, when when it was announced. Um, and you know, it is it is four events in the in a row. Um, you know, outside of the US for the American players at least, um, and the top players. Uh, so you know, hopefully. Um, the event goes off really well this year yeah. and the LPGA players that are playing it um, will give great feedback. Um, you know, I, w- anyone that has played it in years past has been given it great feedback all along. Um, and that's, you know, with the US media, it's like it's a brand new event, but we've been playing for the same money for, what is it, five, six years now. So, um, you know, it's it's only garnered headlines in the States because it's an LPGA event and the European yeah. Men's Tour have co-sanctioned the men's side of it. So, um, you know, all of a sudden people are paying attention to it, which which is great for, for the event. Um, so hopefully, um, you know, it goes off well and, and um, the field's stronger next year. I'm certain it will go off well. And and the Women's Australian Open's building a really cracking field as well, which is why we're here to talk to you today. As Andy mentioned earlier, five-time champion. I, I'm imagining of all the things you've done in the world of golf, seven majors, Hall of Fame, we could go on all day. Uh, that the winning the national championship still resonates very solidly with you. Yeah, definitely. You know, we've we've played on some of Australia's best golf courses too, and um, you know, I feel like that's a big feather in my my cap to to say that of you know one at Yarra Yarra, Kingston Heath, Royal Sydney. Um, you know, those uh, those are pretty special places to to say that you've you've won at as well. So. Um, you know, um, I, I actually really enjoyed the Grange three years ago. I know Clayton will be happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, really, um, really love the, you know, the green complexes really ask, demands a lot of your, you know, second shot approach shots into the greens. And, um, you know, I swung it really, really well there three years ago. So, you know, I, I was able to take advantage of the fact that I was, was swinging it well. Um, but yeah, it was uh, was a great test, and looking forward to going back. Yeah, it's a fun course. I it's kind of uh, simple is probably the What's wrong that, word. Clay? I was it's saying a it's a off. fun course. It's simple. On, it's coming up. It's talk, talking to Hazy's mate. Come and talking to Hazy's mic. Yeah, there you go. We've so, got it. We've got him now, Curry. Okay, I say sim- okay. simple is probably the wrong word, but it's um, nothing flashy. But it's a really solid golf course that you've got to play well. And anyway, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you, you could. It's one that if you are swinging it well, you're very much rewarded for for that um, and being able to get into pin positions that if you're just slightly off, you're you're either got a difficult putt or you're trying to get up and down from from not very easy position. Now, Hazy and I were discussing last week <laughs> the greatest female player ever, <laughs> <laughs> your rival Annika. Um, my question is: Did you ever meet Mickey Wright? No, Mickey's uh, actually, um, I've, that's been on my bucket list to try and do and I've reached out to her a number of times um, uh, and uh, she's the only Hall of, living Hall of Famer, LPJ Hall of Famer that I haven't um, met. So uh, around when I was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, you know, I invited her to my Hall of Fame party and she sent, she sends a, you know, letter and, um, you know, and says that she can't make it, but, you know, has followed my career, et cetera. Um, and Kathy Whitworth is still really good friends with her, and um, we thought um, that avenue, trying to get Kathy to, to set it up, but <laughs> we still couldn't 
she's just very reclusive yeah. and um no one really gets to 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 you know be in her presence much which um i would i would love to um but it's good that clates you went back past the the 90s in, in yeah. our history because i think um for whatever reason annika is is the history and no one ever goes back beyond that to to some of the great players that have that have paved paved the way well before annika played yeah well she said had such an amazing golf swing i mean she was yes yep and she, she she did the interview with Golf Digest. I'm sure you've read it. Where, which is a brilliant interview about her talking about her career and the greatest shot she ever hit and how it yeah. all worked. You know, just an amazing part. You know, with Hogan yeah. probably. And, the, I mean, I think I think we wouldn't even it wouldn't even be a debate if she if she had played longer. I think she was only like 31 or something when she retired. Um, so you know, I think it wouldn't even be a debate. As to who was the greatest yeah. player um, in women's history, if she'd have, if she'd, have, you know, enjoyed the the limelight more um, and got, you know kicked on for another ten years. Carrie, Car- one of your other great contemporaries was Sari Park. When you were sort of head to head with her through that phase of your respective careers, I don't know whether you spoke to her much, but did she give you any indication as to what was coming down the line in terms of Korean women's golf? Was that was that even a thing that you could imagine occurring, you know, sort of 20 years ago? Probably not to the extent that it did, but um, I, I played um, in Korea my rookie year in the States in 96. Um, I was there on appearance um, at the end of that year. And Sari was still, you know, I mean, 96, she was a rookie in 98. So she was still, she'd only just turned pro. And she was already like a superstar in Korea because she was playing on the Korean tour over there. And, I mean, thousands upon thousands of people came out to watch her play. And I'd played amateur golf against Sari as well. So I'd known Sari since she was about 12 because um, I think she represented Korea when she was about 12 at the <laughs> Queen Circuit. Um, and uh, so I'd known her and played with her long before, you know, she was Sari Pack. But 96, I was over there, and I was so overwhelmed by, you know, the country itself was very young to golf, and and they didn't, you know, understand that, you know, anything about golf. They yeah. just knew that Sari was this, you know, God is the way they, they worshipped her even before she went to the LPGA. And I was so overwhelmed by the crowds. And so when she came to the States and then did what she did in her rookie year, you know, I knew that was going to bring all that attention. But, I, I you know, you couldn't. You couldn't predict that it was going to do what it did to Koreans women golf for sure. Must be amazing then to see what happens when the international crown goes back there now. Yeah, well, yeah, the the, the girls that played there last year said it was amazing. The crowds were, were awesome. Curry, just specifically on the Women's Australian Open, I, I'm if I can, I thought one of the best passages of golf I've ever seen twice actually involved you. Uh, once was it. Um, when you beat G.I. Shin in 2008 at Kingston Heath, the, the yeah. playoff there yeah. and the tension. The other one was yeah. when you came through the field to beat Chala Choi in 2014 at Victoria. Are they the two yeah. that sort of stand out in your mind or is there something more prominent? Yeah, probably probably those two. Um, you know, Kingston Heath because, you know, with the three holes to go, uh, I actually thought I hadn't seen a leaderboard for a while and I and I looked at the leaderboard on 16 green and, and uh, or 15 green and was – too behind and I was quite shocked that I was too behind and just to rally in the last three holes to even make the play I had a putt on the last I voted 16 and 17 had a putt on the last to win 
Um, and then, you know, pretty much played 18 the same way the next three times before um, make, finally making the putt and winning winning that playoff. And then, yeah, winning uh, at Victoria Golf Club, um, which obviously that's I, I forgot that I forgot to mention that in in the great courses that I've won at because Victoria is a great golf course as well. And um, you know, we'd played in Melbourne for three straight days with no wind, which you know, as an Aussie, you just <laughs> you, it's weird. You know, you're not even used to that. And walking out um, on Sunday morning, it was blowing, and I was like, oh, okay. This is this is more like it, and I was five shots behind, and I was like, if I can get off to a good start today, I think I'll have a chance. And yeah, sure enough, by about the eleventh, I was right in the thick of it. So, yeah, that was really exciting because you know you sort of thought you know with the conditions that you had a chance, and to to think that you have a chance and go out and do it, it's pretty special. Kari, it's Lucas here. Um, I'm not enough of a golf nut to sort of have read up well enough on your career. I obviously understand it's been phenomenal um, with the major success and the, and the Hall of Fame um, induction. But I think um, what's impressed me the most about you and what I've got the most respect for you for is the the work you've done with a lot of the um, the young girls coming through um, through the national squads and the national teams, or I'm not even sure what they're what they're called now, but. Um, how much do you enjoy doing that? And is that something you'd love to keep doing, um, you know, post playing career? I guess. Yeah, um, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's it's something I wish I'd done sooner. But then I think um, if I'd have done it sooner, I probably wasn't quite ready. Um, you know, especially to have the girls at the U.S. Open. Um, but it was just the perfect time in my career, and um, you know, it was oh, it's just been so rewarding to me. I know. The girls have gotten a lot out of it, but it's been rewarding to me to to have them over and then, um, you know, to watch their careers um, blossom and uh, when they turn pro. And, you know, I I, um, I, ne- I now know what my family go through with the refreshing of live scoring when I'm when I'm following along, <laughs> seeing how they're doing because <laughs> I'm like, what did they do there? What happened? You know, <laughs> like, so, um, yeah, it's it's been great to, to watch and, you know, um, you know, I look forward to, to having that sort of involvement, um, even post-playing, like you said. At the exact opposite end of that scale, Kari, before we let you go, we're running short on time, but um, Patricia Bridges, uh, who yeah. whose name is on the trophy that you play for when you play the Women's Australian yep. Open, she must be a legend in your eyes as someone who's uh, fought for the, you know, the the future of women's golf in Australia for so long. I know she's sadly yeah. no longer with us. What are your memories of Patricia yeah. Bridges? Yeah, it's funny when you're a kid what your memories are and then, you know, getting to know Patricia as, you know, as an adult. She was Mrs. Bridges for me growing up until (laughs) at some point I called her Mrs. Bridges and she told me I could call her Patricia and that was well into my professional career. But, um, yeah, um, you know, she was, you know, growing up she was, um, you know, just the, you know, uh, administrator that, um, you know, that, told you what to do and and you know and who was picking teams and stuff like that um it wasn't until i turned pro that and got to appreciate what she had done in the background for women's golf um and got to know her a little bit more personally than than just the the administrator and and an authority figure as a as a kid so yeah I, i really i really enjoyed getting to know patricia um you know later in her life and 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 the stories that she told me Kari, um, 
hopefully you get outside sooner rather than later and get to swing that golf club in preparation for yeah. hopefully number six. You, you contribute. Yeah, I might be heading down. Down, heading down your way. Yeah, well, we got <laughs> earlier some, than, well, earlier. yeah, the weather down here is good. So, and you're always welcome. You know that the contribution needs <laughs> no introduction or underlining. It's a joy to have you on the show. Um, thanks for everything you've done for Australian golf, and we look forward to seeing you teed up in the Australian Open. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, guys. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Good on you. Webb, what an absolute legend of the game here and around the world joining us on Inside the Ropes. We've got Hazy's mystery special guest coming up on the other side of the break. I'm looking forward to this. Stick around more on Inside the Ropes after this. With men and women on the same course at the same time playing for equal prize money, the ISPS Hand Vic Open is unlike any golf tournament you've seen before. And this year, there's $3 million up for grabs at 13th Beach Golf Links. Featuring defending champ Minji Lee, Paula Kramer, Brooke Henderson and Georgia Hall. Also, Jeff Ogilvie headlines the men's field with Aussie young gun Lucas Herbert. The 2019 ISPS Hand Vic Open, Thursday, February 7 to Sunday the 10th. Adults $10 per day, kids free. Tickets and more at VicOpenGolf.com. Welcome back to the show. Fantastic having Kari Webb on the show. But this is a moment that I'm actually full of fear and trepidation <laughs> because you have said, Mark Hayes, that we've got some mystery guest on. I can hear him on the other end of the line, but I've got no idea who it is. So well, over to you. Let me preface this, Andy. Last week we, we put out a call. Uh, we, we gave a great story um, with Daniel Gill getting a chance to play with Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka. And I put out a call with Blakey to have people let us know of crazy stories that have All happened right. to them in golf. Okay. So my 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 dear friend on Twitter, Kevin Nolan, oh, great. has Kevin has Nolan. made a, uh, a, a tweet to me, and he's got I think a story to rival all stories in golf. <laughs> Kevin, welcome to Inside the Robes. Thank you. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well, thank you, Mary. Good to hear. I would love you. I'm not even going to begin to tell tell the story. I'm just going to let you go nuts and explain yourself. All right. Well, um. My partner and I were heading overseas late last year and um, I was watching the golf and Rich Beam was commentating and I've always seemed to think that he was a pretty good bloke. So I thought, well, I'm going to Texas. And so I sent him a message and I said, look, um, I'm coming to Texas. We should hook up for a game. I'm off 12, but I want you know, 14 shots in if we're going to play for cash. I'll bring the VB. <laughs> and uh, he um, messaged me back with a bit of a a bit of a laugh and said, I'll give you eight and ten if you bring the bring the beer. So I just thought he was being nice and you know, that was the end of it. And yeah, a little bit later on, he sends me another message asking what dates I'm going to be there and four or five messages later, I'm standing at the driving range at um, University of Texas waiting for the Beamer to turn up. <laughs> Play golf so anyway, <laughs> PGA champion, Andy. Of course. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, so, um, so anyway, we... We meet on the range and shake hands and everything was fine and we jump off and we head to the first tee, obviously, and um, he cracks one straight down the middle and I've been panicking about this shot for a month <laughs> and uh, hit a nice little gentle draw down the middle and ended up making a par and he made a bogey, so I was one in front. I was pretty happy with myself. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he says to me, oh, we're going to catch the group in front. And I have no, you know, no, no place to argue, so we... We head off and there's, there's three groups and a group in front. Um, one guy, his name is Greg Audsley, who was a, one of the chief executives for Dell, and now he just flies his own chartered plane around, you know, chartering rich people from one venue to another. The other one, the other guy was John Lackey, who was a, a pitcher for the for the yeah. Cubs, a World Series pitcher for the Cubs, 
played for just retired last year. Played for the Boston Red. Played for the Boston Red Sox, if you don't mind. He did. Red Sox, the Angels, the Cardinals, and the Cubs. Three times World Series champion. Oh, word he was. And the other bloke was Trent Dilfer, who was oh. uh, a quarterback uh, for the Baltimore Ravens when they won the Super Bowl. Jeez. Oh, so, <laughs> so for uh. the next four hours, very unaccustomed. To me, I, I just shut up and listened, and it was it was just brilliant. Like they were four of the nicest blokes you'd ever meet. Um, really much, down to earth and relaxed. And how much money was know? changing hands, Kev? Well, there was one bet with uh, with Greg and um, and Trent, and <laughs> Rich told me not to get involved. He said it's uh, it's way above our pay rate. Right. So, yeah. Oh. So anyway, we we finished, and he took me in and paid for lunch, and we were waiting for lunch to come. It took a little while to get there, and he had to go and pick up his kids. So um, yeah, so uh, he took off, and then later that night, he messaged me back to see if I enjoyed my lunch and hope I had a nice day and. Looking forward to catching up when he comes to Australia next time. How about that, Andy? That's a good story. Yeah, did, we... you, did you win the match? No, I got thumped. He shot six <laughs> under. He buried the last four holes. <laughs> he, had a, he had a six on on a 200-metre par three to two inches, then hold a bunker shot and then finish birdie-birdie to shoot. Well, he, he shot six under, and I think he ended up beating me by about 25 shots. So. <laughs> hey, you got a story out of it, mate. They can't take that one away yeah. from you. You might have lost a bit of the foldy stuff, but that's a great yarn. Thanks for sharing it with us. Um, one last thing, too. Then we, I went From there, we went to um, Dallas, and I went and played at Trinity Forest, and um, they gave me a locker, and when I went to my locker, the locker next to me was Ernie Elvis' locker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had a pretty good run. That'll do. That'll do. Good yarn, mate. Well done. Okay. Good, good on you, Kevin Kev. Nolan. That's a good story, isn't it? That, that's unbelievable, Andy. Yeah, yeah. Um, on tw- through Twitter. We want more of these, right? We want yeah, more we of these want stories. More crazy yeah, stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're more. Get in touch with us any way you can. There's a story I've heard about um, a, blo- a member at Augusta. Stop me if I've told this story on the show. Um, but he's organised three guests at Augusta National, and something comes up at work, and he can't meet the three guests. But he wants these three guests to play golf at Augusta, they're looking forward to it. It's a life ambition being realised for these three. So he rings one of these other members, because you can't go on the course unless you're accompanied by a member, rings one of the other members who lives quite close to the course. This guy lived in New York. I couldn't get there. He rang, look, I've got three guests coming. Would you mind meeting them and playing with them? I know it's short notice, but I've been setting this up for, for a long time and, you know, I'd love it. Um, and I think you'll quite like, um, you know, the opportunity to play with these three. So he goes, no problems, I'm doing nothing. So he turns up at the prescribed time and the three guests turn up and the the guest happens to be a big American football fan and the three guests that were teed up to play were Archie, Peyton and Eli Manning. Oh, you're kidding. No. So they they were the guests and the guy from New York City couldn't get there and became the greatest day that um, the member of Augusta who ended up chaperoning around the course has ever had in his life. So that's a pretty good story, I reckon. That works. That'll do. The, the, The Manning... The Manning boys yeah. at Augusta National. That's, That's very good. cool. That's pretty good. So but let us know. So on Twitter at, at inside the underscore ropes is probably the best way. But anyway, Perfect. sing out to us on Twitter individually, Andy or myself, and we'll get your stories uh, to hand when we can. We need to let the young fellow go home and go to bed. Is there any um, housekeeping that Jay Ugford's uh, got in front of us that we need to uh, adhere to before we wrap it, this up? A fair bit, actually. And then, <laughs> okay. um, I know that Herbie's come home with... Uh, well, hasn't got stars in his eyes at the moment. There's probably just Zeds actually punching through. <laughs> but the Vic opens high on your oh, list God. of priorities, I would imagine. Next week. Next yeah. week. How exciting. Yeah, it's really good. So we've got the, the big... Greatest s- event in the world. 
greatest event in the world. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> well, you know, I, I don't expect you to say, of course. No, it's, it is, it's, it's my home. Fantastic, mate. My home Victorian Open, men's and women's field, all at the same venue. I'm expecting big crowds and big things, and I don't think I'm going to be let down. I reckon it's going oh, to be a great awesome. week. It's awesome. Have you not played in one before? I, pl- I played two years ago. I, I missed okay. last year. Um, so, yeah, I'm back back oh, this that's year. That's great. Awesome. Nearly one, nearly one in 2017. I should have remembered that. <laughs> um, so it's a it's a big two weeks really in Australian golf. So uh, not only the ISPS Hand of Vic Open and the ISPS Women's Australian Open, uh, and also the ISPS um, Super Six Super in Six. Perth World yeah. Perth World Super Six Perth. I got to get the name. Work, right. Dr. Honda. Dr. Honda's uh, He's killing it. He is. He really is. Um, so there's plenty of content coming from inside the ropes throughout those two weeks from the Grange uh, in two weeks' time and from 13th Beach next week. So stay tuned. We might get a few more numbers chalked up, Andy, so mm. we just keep ticking them around. Uh, if you can get yourself to the ISPS Hand of Vic Open, if you live in Victoria and you're a Victorian Golf Club member, you can get a free season pass by heading to vicopengolf.com forward slash ticketing. Put your golf link number into the promo code area and you'll get a free season pass. And a member of Victoria or a Victorian golf club member? Any, any Victorian golf club. It's a, um, we'd like to expand that out next year, but it's a sort of a legacy thing from the Golf Victoria days. If you live in Adelaide, uh, come and see the best at the Grange the following week for golf club members in all of South Australia. Speak to your club today about a special two-for-one ticket offer. All clubs have got that available to them. Uh, and as you've heard on the ads that were through the show, there's a Celebrity Chef dinner uh, for Challenge Cancer, many of our listeners are aware of Challenge, um, Challenge it's a charity that supports kids with cancer and it's well known among the golf community for its ties with our good mate Jared Lyle of course, yep. and Robert Allenby and we might just mention Jared on the way through in a second as well but on Friday the 8th of February, so that's Friday week depending on when you're listening to this, it's the cut day of the Vic Open at Cadinia Park in Geelong. Uh, golf Australia is putting on a very special charity dinner for Challenge with all proceeds directly to the charity uh, that our old mate Jared had so close to his heart. Celebrity chefs will co- cook up a feast. They'll be they'll be live entertainment, special guests, chance to hit a ball onto Cadinia Park, which is awesome, and to top it off, the night's hosted by Australian comedy legend Tom Gleisner. Oh, that'd be a fantastic night. So to get onto that, it's vicopengolf.com forward slash charity dinner, and that's a cracking night. Tom Gleisner's a ripper. And you can mention, uh, we've mentioned Jared's name, and there's been a fantastic development for one of the most famous moments in his career over at the Phoenix Open. So why don't you tell us what's happened over there? Yeah, there's been a, uh, in honour of Jared Lyle's hole-in-one that he had at the at the Phoenix Open. Now, Clate's one of your favourites, the Waste Management Open. Yeah. You <laughs> love that sort of stuff. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you love it. Um, on the, love on the 16th, the, the party hole, the stadium hole, whatever you want to call it, uh, Jared's famous hole-in-one, arguably the highlight of his PGA Tour career. Um, the tournament organisers there have done a great thing and erected a plaque in honour of his hole-in-one um, to honour Jared's memory. Uh, so we'll see that, no doubt, on television a fair bit this week. And That's the, uh, the Phoenix Open is underway. It is a great thing and uh, uh, a wonderful, wonderful gesture. Uh, that's it. We're done. Uh, thanks for tuning in. It's been a big show. Thanks for coming on. You didn't have to do this, and I'm glad that you reached out to Hazy and, um, and said that there's something you wanted to do. So... Thanks for doing it. Good on Always you. like being on, boys. Good on you, mate. Lucas Herbert, our special That's guest. Is your... No, you're not a special guest anymore. You're part of the show. Uh, Clates, good to see you. Thank you, mate. Thanks for coming right. in. Yep. You're, you're at Vic Open? You down there? I don't know what I'm, I feel. I, I don't know. 
I think I am, but I'm good. not sure. Good. Well, we've run out of time. For, I'm going to put you two in the time capsule. Right. So I, what I can't am I do it. Come up with. You've got to come up for next time you're both on. You've got to come up with, uh, you know, something that's a uh, certainty right. you think is going to happen, and something you'd, you know, a bit wacky offbeat that you'd like to see happen. So that's you're on notice, Clay. I should have done it before the okay. show, but a I wasn't organised. And a wacky. Right. Uh, but right now, um, I instigated last week, Andy, the the Finchies, which is the best on ground in our podcast. Oh, and I'm because it's sort of a stretch of the rules, but because he's a semi regular, I'm giving it to Lucas because um, oh, no. he's uh, come on and fronted up with the hard issues to deal with. What does he get? Uh, no, he goes to the equal lead in the Finchies. He's won. What, what do you get if you win the Finchies? I'm still to sort of clarify that with the great man himself. But uh, yeah, right now he's equal leader with Stacey Peters at one one. What I'm stoked about is making Andy Mars top ten favourite sports stars of last year. That was good. I was that was a great moment for me to. Put, I was <laughs> to well, have you in there. You just, know, my fa- about, just my favourite. So I've enjoyed about, watching you. We talk about major championships and uh, world golf championships. I think you know Andy Mars top ten sports people might be up there. With, mate, you're uh, alongside- some of the, some of the biggest honours that you can win in the game. So I don't give that you. away lightly, mate. Virgil Van Dyke was in there, so you're in a stern company. My there friend. was uh, yeah, there was a lot of debate about who you had in there, and uh, I was very honoured to make the no, list. No, Thank no, you. No, it's from the bottom of the heart. How about the top fifty women sports? Oh, that was a disgrace. Personalities, what was that people. Is it Daily some Telegraph? Daily, Daily, yeah. Daily Telegraph. No, no Minji Lee. No cut. Really? No, no Curry Webb. I didn't have Minji in my top ten either. How could you? It was fifty. Yeah. Well, she's six in the she world. Should been, no, she should have been fourth on the main Of course, she should have been not in the top fifty. How could you do a list like that though and expect to not get criticism from it though? Who you leave? You, you're bound to leave someone out or yeah. multiple people out that Argu- someone's not going to be happy with. Arguably, she's our best female sportsman right now. Not, well, in, not saying she doesn't deserve to be in there, but yeah. in a global sport, who's she's in the top ten? She no doubt she's, she's in the top ten. She was a finalist in the Sport Australia Women's um, Honor Roll on that one for 2018. She has to be in that 50. That's, oh, of course she's a disgrace. No, I that's mean, an oversight. I used to sit next to Mike Sheen when he was doing his top 50 for the AFL at the start and the end of every footy season. That was the most troubling thing, as Lucas points out, that you – he gets more grief for the list and the omissions in that of list course. than anything else he yeah. ever did, and there was plenty. No, you're sort of asking for trouble. But he never left the top one of the top ten players out. No, 100%. Yeah. Even if they were 43rd, they were in that list. Yeah. I left Kate Simpson out a couple of years in a row, which was a disgrace. Who? Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's it. Who do you marry for, by the way? I'm a Doggies fan. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, we'll leave it there. So that's why you two have got – that's why there's – Melbourne, Melbourne, Melbourne yeah. Footscray. I mean, you're, it's just uh, there's some inherent differences between them right. right. that will never, ever be resolved. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Right. Uh, that's it. You've been listening to Inside the Ropes. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. There's been a fair bit of meat on the bone of this one. We'll be back next week to do it all again. Experience Australia's leading women's golf event, the ISPS Handa Women's Australian Open at the Grange Golf Club. Witness Australia's and the world's finest golfers as they battle for a share of 1.3 million US dollars. Featuring reigning major champions Georgia Hall and Penilla Lindbergh, also world number one Aria Jatanagan and Australia's Minji Lee. The 2019 ISPS Handa Women's Australian Open, February 14 to 17. $25 a day for adults, kids are free. Tickets are more at womensozopen.com.